Hi, I'm Chris, and I'm going to talk about how Napoleon's defeat at this famous battle made him a more popular leader of France. Hola, me llamo Darren, and guess what? On the original Cinco de, Bio, de Mayo, no one was eating tacos. Hi, I'm Drew, and I have the perfect story for this episode. How are all of these stories going to relate to Cinco de Mayo? Find out in this week's episode of History Bluffs. Welcome to another episode lesson of History Bluffs, where truth is stranger than fiction. Now I want to welcome to the show, it's your host, Gina! Hi! Oh wait, I look so different! <laughs> no, there you go, that's Gina right there. Hi everybody, I'm Gina. Um, how are you? Uh, hola! Happy Cinco de Mayo! Um, almost... Actually, it's really Cinco de, tra de Trace, I guess. It's the but... it's the week of De Mayo, Cinco, yes. so it, it works yeah. out. But hello to all of our Mexican friends and all of the other people listening and or watching, tuning in, as it were. Um, we are going to play today, and um, we're going to play a game called History Bluffs. And uh, we would love for you to play along uh, from the comment section if you're watching this in the live stream. Uh, if you're listening to this on a podcast, play along with your friends. Uh, we're going to do a uh, we're going to tell you stories that are related to Cinco de Mayo. Uh, and the fun part about this show uh, is called History Bluffs, which means that we are going to be telling two stories that are absolutely true and one story that is completely a bluff just to trick you uh, and your job is as the uh, audience is just to figure out which one of us is actually bluffing so um adam this is a game show and i'd love to tell the audience uh, a few of the rules so they can play along and if you throw that rule card up i'll talk over it and tell people how it goes all right for those watching you will see the title card now for those yeah. listening just listen along so you already heard the concept of the show. Just to let you know, anybody who's telling a true story, um, all of their uh, all of their facts must be just that a fact uh the bluff can have some facts uh in their story maybe to bookend it and help it along but the most or in their entire story would be a bluff uh please don't help if you're watching from home uh no audience help if you don't mind if you google something please don't give away the story uh but other than that we are all set to go that's pretty much the those, those are the only rules of the game after that it's that's it game on i'm telling you. that's it they love so, the rules uh, yeah, so I just want to say hello to our uh, to our actors here that are going to be telling you the stories. Um, Chris, how you doing, man? I'm doing well, thank you, Gina. How are you? Good. Did you hear about the golfer named Juan who um, was injured on the job? Oh, no. No, I did not. What happened to Juan the golfer on the job? He was hurt by a golf gun. There was a hole in Juan. <laughs> Wow. Oh. Happy Cinco de Mayo. Hey, um, I see you shaking your head no a lot. That makes me sad. I thought it was funny. I'm just stretching. I'm just stretching my neck. Okay, yeah. It's limbering up. So, hello, uh, Chris. How was your day so far? My day is, uh, I'm thrilled to be on this show. Let's just say that. Okay, very <laughs> That's cool. a great place to start. <laughs> very nice. Um, Darren, Darren, let's move Darren to the center Jeez. square. Hi, Darren. Oh, let's do it. Hey, it's Darren. <laughs> What's up, Darren? <laughs> Yo quiero, <laughs> he says. Yo quiero. He wants. Yo he wants. Um, I want. <laughs> so, uh, hey, Darren. Hey, Darren. Um, <clears throat> why did why did the Mexican uh, man throw his wife off of a hill? 
I don't know. Why did the Mexican man throw his wife off uh, of the hill, Gina? Tequila, tequila. <laughs> Get a tequila. <laughs> anyway, how was your day? <laughs> oh, I, 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 that's, I love that song. Pee Wee Herman did it. I know. Uh, yes, he did. And that is a fact from History Bluffs. It is. <laughs> yes. Do you have a favorite kind of tequila? I know you enjoy a cocktail from time to time. Uh, the the tequila that is placed in front of me. <laughs> yes. My favorite. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. I think that's, well, uh, I'm done with you, so um, let's move on to Drew. <laughs> Wanted to say hello, Drew. Drew? Hi. Hi. You, look, is this oh, your first show with us? This is the first time you're, you're debut. Show. Oh, this is your second show. Oh, your show. Very nice. I, I, uh, sorry about that. Um, so if you, when you start doing History Bluffs a lot, you will understand that one of my favorite movies in the whole world is Titanic. And um, did you know the Titanic on their maiden voyage was also delivering a great deal of Hellman's mayonnaise to the United States as well? So that sank along with it. Do you know what they called that um, moment in time? Um, I bet you're going to tell me. Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> That's two trombones. That's one more than a show allows. Oh, I already got two trombones. How are you there, associate historian? Doing well? <laughs> Besides that joke? Um, yeah, I'm, I'm doing good. I'm happy to be here. This is exciting. Yay. That's very cool. It, oh, it's, I'm like, it's light there, but it's light here, too. I was just thinking, maybe you're in Chicago, correct? I'm in Chicago. Okay. It will start to get dark as we do this show over yeah, here. Yeah. Not there, yeah. right? I just heard the L go by. Oh. oh, next will be the M. How fun. Okay. That's, that's how so, it works. Um, that is all. I just wanted to say hi and introduce everybody. <laughs> now we're going to just play. So the way this game works, we're going to have three rounds. The first round will be 75 seconds. The first historian to go will um, end at the buzzer, and then the other historians will get to pick apart their story. So we're going to actually start in the order that I see you on the screen. So we'll have Drew uh, go first. So uh, Adam, if you would. Adam, our tech, everybody. Yay. Oh, um, hey. Yeah, I'm here. I'm right here. I'll be here the yeah. whole time helping You'll you out. You'll be here the whole time. We can't yeah. see you, but you're sure going to make us look and sound good. I'm going to try. Uh, you can try. Okay, well, let's move Drew to the center. Andrew, I'm going to have you start your first round as soon as you hear the boom, okay? Oh, wow. That means we are going into round number one. Yeah. You speak truth, Here we are. You speak Here we are. Truth. All right. That is the marker. So let's get the round tracker 9000 up, shall we, Gina? Boom. Yes, because everybody gets one time to speak during each round. There will be three rounds in total. Andrew, that's you can nine, That's what? nine segments. Nine whole segments. Doing... All right. This is history, not math. <laughs> I know. This is too hard already. All right. Uh, Drew, please go ahead whenever you hear the boom. Even casual baseball fans should know who Cy Young is. In case you don't, Cy Young pitched in the major leagues from 1890 to 1911 with several teams, including the Boston Americans, a.k.a. Red Sox, and the St. Louis Cardinals. He was elected into the Hall of Fame in 1937, and in addition to being one of the best pitchers of all time, he is considered to be the pioneer of modern-day baseball pitching, having played from the early days of professional ball into its modern era. They even named an award after the guy. Since 1956, the Cy Young Award has been given to the best pitcher in the major leagues. Cy Young holds many major league baseball records still today, which is amazing considering how many grades have played since 1911. He holds the record for career wins, innings pitched, games started, complete games. And he also led the league in wins five times, had the lowest ERA twice, uh, and he led the league in strikeouts twice. 
Cy Young pitched three no-hitters during his career, including the first perfect game ever in the modern era. Now, you're probably thinking, Drew, what does any of this have to do with Cinco de Mayo? Well, it just so happens that that perfect game was pitched on May 5th, 1904. Boom! Mic drop! Very well timed! <laughs> All right! I was going to ask you that exact question, so I'm so glad you said that. Uh, hey, uh, I'm going to go to Darren right now. And Darren, um, I would love your thoughts on Drew's story. Is he bluffing? Is he truthing? What, what's happening? Well, I do know that if you take your, uh, your middle finger and your index finger and you grip them on the side of the baseball and you throw it just right, you, you throw a Cinco. That didn't get a trombone. What the hell? <laughs> Two, they're all used up. They're all used up. I oh. broke them all. That was that very funny. <laughs> was that Drew? That, that made me sigh. <laughs> yeah, sigh, mm. young. Oh, wait oh. a minute. Oh, okay. That's all right. Chris, Chris is still shaking his head. We're gonna make Chris shake uh, his head the whole show. I, oh, yeah. I have a feeling you are gonna make me shake my head the whole show. <laughs> Uh, I, I, I admire Drew uh, for uh, throwing out a, a uh, he, he uses the classic history bluffs technique of just bombarding us with facts, um, you know, and, and throwing out all his pitching to Mattis, you know, left-handed and right-handed. Is that basically the only thing you didn't say about Saya is that he was ambidextrous, you know, ambidextrous pitcher. Um, oh, uh, and, wow. uh, you know, he was, uh, I like how... I, there's a little bit of a hint of a potential bluff in Drew's story because he talked about the era in which he pitched from the 1800s into 1905, and then he called him a pioneer of modern pitching. Ooh. Maybe that's a little, maybe that's a little line, a little through line right there to his bluff. Ooh, so like, so they didn't have baseball in medieval times, but just in the modern era. I don't know. Do we still count as the modern era? I'm not sure. Um, but all I know is that Chris has actually confirmed that this Cy Young guy actually exists. So already oh, oh. winning, Drew. I mean, that, <laughs> oh, that was a giveaway. That was a giveaway. All right. So that means that we're going to have to move to somebody else because Drew has told the story. Drew has been picked apart and confirmed. And we're going to now go to Chris. Chris, I would love to hear your first part of your story right after the boom. Okay. So born on April 20th, 1808 in Paris, Charles Louis Napoleon Bonaparte was the third son of Napoleon I's brother. Napoleon I, of course, is Napoleon that we all know. With the hand in the, in the vest, he lost a battle at Waterloo. But his brother, Louis Bonaparte, and his wife, Hortense de Beharnais Bonaparte, Louis Bonaparte uh, served as King of Holland. Hortense was the stepdaughter of Napoleon I. Louis and Hortense had been made the King and Queen of French-controlled Holland by Napoleon I, their uncle, his uncle. Uh, but after Napoleon was deposed in 1850, all the members of the Bonaparte dynasty were forced into exile. Bring us back now to Charles Louis Napoleon Bonaparte. Charles Louis Napoleon, he, when he was a young man, he settled in Italy after their whole family was, was sent to exile. And here he became interested in history and ideas of national liberty. And he had these thoughts of regaining control of France. He and his older brother, Napoleon Louis, began talking about liberal politics and joining this revolutionary group fighting pip control over northern Italy. The brothers fled in March of 1831 when began, Italian troops began cracking down on revolutionary stuff, and Napoleon Louis died in Louis Napoleon's arms during their escape. Aww. Aww. 
those are my I, the first question that comes to mind is did his wife go with him because if she didn't then they would have to bone apart jeez. Oh, <laughs> it's wow. happening it's happening people it's <laughs> I'm going to summon some trombones here, I swear. <laughs> I know, you need another sound effect that's the equivalent, a lot of them. Um, Darren, thoughts on Chris's story so far? And also, what does well, it have to do with Cinco de Mayo? Before we get to Chris's story, I'm, I'm just amazed at the, the quantity and quality of the puns coming out without the aid of any tequila. Yeah. It's, it's really that astonishing. That you know of. <laughs> that I know of, that's true. Uh, I, I mean, I'm going on a cruise that goes uh, to that area of the world this fall, and I will, I will know in a few months if Chris is saying anything that's true. <laughs> we'll I like out. that strategy. I'm not going to call you a bluff for a few months. <laughs> he defers but, his accusation. <laughs> but none of it has anything to do with Mexico, so Ooh. I have no idea what's happening yet. Ooh, Chris raises a finger as if, just you mm. wait, people. Um, and Drew, I would like to go to you. What are your thoughts on Chris's story thus far? Yeah, I don't know if it was his spot-on French accent. <laughs> but I found this the story is very complex. It's I would say like a it's like a Napoleon complex. <laughs> oh. oh, Drew, I passed it the torch to you. Short. <laughs> oh, what is that, Darren? It does fall a little short. Oh, <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> and my heart. That was funny. Okay, so you guys are killing me today. <laughs> Holy <laughs> Well, then why don't you have give us any more trombones, Adam? We are deserving right. them. <laughs> We're going to open the freely, trombones. I might add. True um, that. All right. So thank you so much, uh, Chris, for your part of the story. That only leaves one other person for the first round, and that's you, Darren. Uh, Darren, hey. uh, Yo you in the center square, and you can start at the boom. <laughs> okay. Uh, buenos noches and happy <laughs> tres de mayo. That's right, amigos. It's Cinco de Mayo Eve. Eve. And so in just two days, he's not wrong. Mexican Santa Claus will slide down the chimney and fill your stockings with tacos. So just be sure to put out your put on your holiday sombrero and leave a bottle of reposado tequila out by the fireplace or some coronas, okay? Okay, that's all BS. But so is the modern day American commercialized holiday celebration that we call Cinco de Mayo. Uh, most Americans believe May 5th is Mexican Independence Day, which it's not. That's September 16th, or Dieceso Septiembre. Perfect. Cinco de Mayo actually celebrates a victory over the French army at Puebla on May 5th, 1862. And don't ask me to say 1862 in Spanish. Hmm. Um, but the thing is, tacos, as we know them now, didn't even exist then. So any Mexicans who were celebrating the victory that day weren't eating tacos. And so where did tacos come from? Well, I'll give you some delicious details about that in the next segment. Oh, my goodness. I am floored by this because I freaking love tacos, and that's what I associate them with. So I can't wait to hear more unless you're bluffing. Um, Drew, what are your thoughts so far on Darren's little story about tacos? Yeah, um... First of all, that accent is right up there with Chris's French accent. So, bien. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm all ears. I want to know about these tacos. 
Okay, yes, he has finished talking. So, yes, yes, Yokir. Oh, I get it now. Yokir, that's clever. Very, very clever, Darren. Um, hey, Chris, um, I would like your thoughts on Darren's story, please. Okay, um, I believe that we may need to take a little break so Darren could eat because he's starving. He said, Bueno noch- nachos, not bueno nachos, <laughs> bueno nachos is opening. Um, and he thought about tacos. But the most offensive thing to me was that he put an I in, in, his, in his version of September. It's septiembre, not septiembre, or whatever it was that you said. Septi- you even said the P, septiembre. Um, so clearly, Darren is um, suffering from uh, a hunger fever. He's, he's missing some facts in his story so far, and we need to get him some tequila and some nachos and some tacos so he can come back. I do not disagree with that last statement. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. So at this point in the show, I think that we have only uh, we have not yet had any accusations except sort of to Drew. But then there was also sort of a fact component that was confirmed. Mm. So I don't know who's bluffing just yet. Um, and so we shall now go on to the next round to see what's going to happen. So Adam, take us away. Let's go to round number two. Okay, this is the round where the time gets a little bit shorter. The 15 seconds is taken off the clock. Uh, We'll be taken off the clock and we are going to start now. Uh, Actually, so we started with Drew. Let's start with Chris for uh, for this first round of round two and go ahead and start at the boom. Okay, stay with me. After the death in 1832 of his cousin, the Duke Reichstag, Napoleon I's only son, Louis Napoleon considered himself next in line for the French throne. He returned to France in, April, in October 1836 with an attempt to imitate his uncle Napoleon's 100 days in which Napoleon I escaped exile and briefly retook France from Louis XVIII. For Louis Napoleon's effort, he initiated a coup calling on the local garrison to help him restore the Napoleonic Empire. Instead of joining him, the local troops arrested him. He was expelled and sent <laughs> to England. He secretly returned to France in 1840 with 50 hired soldiers and attempted yet another coup. The local garrison yet again did not join his efforts and he was arrested. This time, however, he was not exiled but was brought to trial and sentenced to permanent confinement in a fortress. This did not work and this all leads up to Puebla in 1862 is where we're going in the next round. Oh, Oh, sacre bleu! That's very funny. I think my favorite was when he took the throne. (laughs) So, so, uh, Darren, please (laughs) regale us with your thoughts on that particular segment. Oh my God, I I feel like uh, uh, the director uh, Blake and uh, Henry Mancini, I feel like they're all rolling over in their graves right now. Not to mention Peter Sellers. <laughs> Peter Sellers did much better, no offense, Chris. <laughs> He's also dead. I would like to apologize to all of our French listeners at this moment, and, uh, and perhaps the Mexicans as well. Here, here <laughs> I thought we'd be apologizing to the, our, our, our Mexican-American heritage. Yeah, exactly, but no, um, here we are apologizing to the French. And... <laughs> Exactly. I did not see that coming. Drew, <laughs> please, your thoughts on that piece of um, yeah, video. Uh, it all happened so fast. I, I feel like I heard uh, 
heard lyrics to Louie Louie. <laughs> I thought the same thing. <laughs> you know, I, I, I picked up on something. Um, I, I found there's some similarities now between Chris and Darren's stories. Um, it's almost like I feel like Chris's story is going to end where, where Darren's story ends. <laughs> Maybe it's will. It's, it's coincidence? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know, Drew, but they did both say Puebla, so that was a very good catch. Although we, was... we both did. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, no. It's, oh, no. It's oh. catching. It's contagious. It's contagious. Okay. So, um, so this was what really Contagion was based on, not, not a plague. <laughs> no. A bunch of people pick it up. Um, I, I think that's really fun, uh, and I really want to go on now to the next person because if that, I mean, that was good, and I can't wait to see where this goes. Um, Darren, your th- your uh, time now for your round two begins when, the, when oh, you hear the book. I will try to do it in French. We will see. <laughs> oh, my God. Here we go. In a fascinating twist of history, the first known Cinco de Mayo celebration happened the following year when Mexican miners working in California silver mines, no, it's not working, nope. fired their guns, <laughs> set off fireworks, sang patriotic songs, and gave speeches in a spontaneous celebration of Mexico's defeat of France. And even though they weren't eating tacos, there were taquitos all around them. But you wouldn't want to eat these taquitos because instead of being stuffed with delicious pork, simmered for hours with cumin, garlic, and uh, just the right amount of arbol chili pepper, they were stuffed with gunpowder. You see, a taquito was a piece of paper folded over and filled with gunpowder that the miners would stuff into a crack in the rock, light the paper, and then run like hell. (laughs) (laughs) And it's from the taquito that modern tacos got their name. Wait. But it wasn't until the late 1800s that the nickname taco started to stink. Oh my, okay, okay, okay. It started to stink? Stink. 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 Okay, steak. Steak tacos are my favorite. I'm not gonna lie. Chris, I would like your your thoughts on Darren's slaughter of that round. I mean, basically, the only things he forgot to read off of the Taco Bell menu were the words "Bell" and the address of the store. Ooh, I think that was a sick burn. I think. Caliente. We shall see. Caliente. Drew, Drew, uh, please um, tell us what you think about that. I am fascinated. That is true. I'm, I really love that story. If it is not, I really love that story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, the, the the shooting of fireworks. I, I, I that seems like you know they wouldn't have access to that. I would just maybe just be shooting their guns. So that's like a, a, a little detail that I find like might be um, just over-dramatizing what really happened. So. Oh, so would it be fair to French say... over-dramatizing? No. <laughs> exactly. Would it be fair to say that you were actually making an accusation at this time? I'm, I'm making a, 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 a... Yeah, right now I'm leaning towards that there's some bluffing going on. There is? Okay. So, <laughs> I know. Oh, this is getting good. Darren, you have been accused. What say you? Oh, that's what I say. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good reply. Very snappy and witty. Um, so um, that what that actually ends up meaning is that we have one more person to go in this round. Drew, that would be you. So let's get you to the center screen and start at the boom whenever you are ready. Okay. 
Okay, so on May 5th, 1904, Cy Young, pitching for the Boston Americans, threw a perfect game against the Philadelphia Athletics. Retired all 27 batters he faced, allowed no hits, no walks, no base runners. And Boston won the game 3-0. Now, I mentioned earlier that this is considered the first perfect game in the modern era. There were two other perfect games before this, both in uh, 1878, where the rules were different. The pitcher's mound was 12 feet close to the home plate. Walks required eight balls instead of four, and pitchers were obliged to throw sidearm. The modern rules under which Cy Young pitched were established in 1893 and are pretty much still in use today. Cy went on to pitch a few more seasons. By the time 1911 came around, he was one of the oldest players in the league. He had started to gain weight, and his pitching skills were on the decline. So he retired with his wife, Roba, whom he had known since childhood, and they moved to a farm in Ohio where they planned on living out the rest of their days. Wait, wait, they moved to Ohio and planned on living out the rest of their days, indicating that that might not have happened. So, I'm oh, intrigued. No. They're very intrigued. It's another round it's to go. I love that shit. So, Darren, your thoughts, please. Well, he is uh, segueing into my next segment. Uh, and I think the reason Cy Young was gaining so much weight was because of how popular tacos would become in the early 20th century. Ooh, so there's a good, a good use of your own story to support what may or may not be a bluff from Drew. Chris, your thoughts? Well, what um, jumped out to me, especially because he keeps harping on the modern era, the modern era, and then he talked about um, eight balls. And I'm like, wait a minute, you're talking, we're talking about the cocaine era in the 1980s. This is not <laughs> I young. Um, so. That's how cool was invented. <laughs> this is, it's fascinating to me that baseball goes back that far. Um, and I'd like to know when they decided to put it on TV and make it the most boring Saturday afternoon of your life. <laughs> They're fun to go to, but like on TV, I'm bored. <laughs> so, um, so that means, you know what that means is we were completely heard of it from everybody in this round. So this means round two is over, which means that only one thing can happen now. And that leads us into round three, right, Adam? That's right. Here we go. <laughs> This is the round where the stakes are even higher because we're going to take another 15 seconds off the clock. You have only 45 seconds to wrap up your story. We are going to start right now with Chris. All right, let's get Chris up to the middle block. Chris, your round begins now. So, after the 1848 French Revolution, he escaped captivity and was nominated for the Constituent Assembly by some supporters. He won a seat, surprisingly became president, declared himself emperor and disbanded the assembly. He lost a battle to Mexico shortly thereafter in uh, on the 5th of May in, 19, in 1862, and he was humbled. Unlike his uncle who lost at Waterloo, he felt shame because of the loss to Mexico. He learned from this law and began promoting himself to literally every group of the population by promising each group what they want. And he became all things to all men, effectively. He became wildly popular until... He lost another big battle in 1870 to Germany, and he was captured. He was deposed two days later. The Germans released him to England in 1871 because he was now despised in France, and then he died a year later. Oh, my goodness. I mean, if you can Napoleon have, if he didn't die in jail. He just was released to England. Just, I mean, some people think England is like jail. No, I'm just kidding. I love England, actually. Um, so, so uh, Darren, please, your thoughts on that final round of his story, which was in a much uh, less... Thick accent. <laughs> it was, yes. Uh, 
you know, he didn't offer all things to all people because he didn't offer them tacos. And <laughs> why? Because they didn't exist yet. <laughs> and that was his fatal flaw. Oh, his fatal flaw. Uh, Drew, please, your thoughts on Chris's last round of his story. This is where it's make it or break it for the uh, for whether we're going to vote, who you're going to vote for, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, yeah. I'm just glad he didn't, uh, Chris didn't start uh, trying a German accent there at the end. <laughs> yes, he brought in a lot of countries. <laughs> yeah, That's but true. I thought the same thing. I the, the the French, they definitely did not get to enjoy any taquitos. So um, I feel bad for them. Okay, so we're not necessarily saying that Chris is a bluff, but we are agreeing with Darren. Is that what I'm getting? Here? I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> okay, as long as you're absolutely sure about that. Um, and, you can check back in three months. So, be sure and, as a matter of fact, why don't we just have you go? And then with, hopefully you know what you're saying about your own story. Um, so we'll Come bring you me. to the yeah. center square. You just start at the boom when you're ready. Oh, I mean, really at the boom, not when you're ready. There we go. Like a lot of players of his era, Cy Young had not been very good at managing his money. His wife died in 1933, and by 1940, he had lost his farm and was working at a different farm that provided him room and board. His only source of income was stock dividends of $300 per year. He did make some extra money here and there making appearances. Then in 1946, he was hired by the Mexican Baseball League to manage Tigres de Quintana in Cancun. It was clear to everyone that this was all for a show. Uh, the Mexican League was trying to reinvent itself after World War II, and they wanted a big name. And Sai needed the money and got to hang out in Cancun. Uh, the experiment only lasted one season because he didn't speak any Spanish. So he moved back to Ohio, uh, became a farmhand, and died at the age of 88 in 1955. Aw, that's a really sweet end to the story. I love that, you, that his wife's name is Roba. In my opinion, that's either a really good tactic or it's true, and I'm not really sure just yet. Um, uh, Darren, please, what do you think about Drew's story? Well, I think it's clear he lost all his money buying uh, tacos. <laughs> just, oh. They were so good, he spent all his yeah. money. But I love how it's like a circular thing where like Mexico is like, thank you for buying all the tacos. Yeah. We will have you manage our baseball team. <laughs> and they, they bring him back home. <laughs> Yeah, like it all. It was a really nice, uh, nicely uh, bookended story. So um, it would, would have been very well written if there wasn't a writer's strike right now. Yeah, oh, they, yeah. yeah mean, kudos true. to our writers. You, you go, people, because we yeah. like the stuff you do. Um, Chris, uh, what, what do you think about uh, Drew's story there? I mean, uh, yeah, Drew's yeah, yeah, yeah. story that that uh, interestingly also another flag here. So you're saying he lost the farm? Is that what you're saying? He lost the farm, um, and this sounds very much like the Joe Lewis story, or you know. And I think we will see this come to the big screen once the writer's strike is over in a story called A League of His Own, because this is this is this is a this is a this is a mashup of Joe Lewis, uh, A League of Their Own. Uh, come on, and he, and he lost the farm. What was the other one from before? Uh, I don't remember what it was, but but okay. Yeah. Well, and then, and then they also played in skirts. It was great. <laughs> it, was like, it was so great. Oh, so I think that, that Chris, if I'm not mistaken, that's an accusation. Well, I still, not yet. No. It's, it's just it's just casting doubt because I want to hear mm. Darren's 
I want to hear how many times Derek say taco in round three. No, oh, I'll, okay. take so, okay. I'll tell you. One, two. Chris has been the voice of doubt. While Darren counts his stuff, let's get At him to the six. center square. Darren, you are going to finish off the show for us <laughs> with your final round of your story about that tacos may or may not have existed. Yeah, I've got a present for Darren. There's a beret. Oh, it's kind of big. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry about wow. the. Sorry about the giant beret. I didn't have time to scale it while I'm live teching a show. <laughs> I mean, Darren can literally wow, duck and be still wait. be inside can, of it. You could. You could. You could. Can you? No. Nope. Wait, okay. wait, 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 wait. Wait. Here you go. Okay. That's much better. <laughs> All right. For those listening along, there is now a cartoon beret over Darren. And Darren, okay. let's, let's take it home. Around 1905, Mexican women start running food carts in Los Angeles, serving, among other things, tacos. Uh, the women become known as chili queens, and Americans really dig into this exotic foreign cuisine. But the tacos they serve don't look much like today's tacos. Uh, pig heart, anyone? Beef tripe? Mmm. Uh, the taco that you and I think of today didn't really show up until the 1920s when the chili queens start fusing their cuisine with locally available California ingredients like ground beef, fresh sour cream, cheddar cheese, and, and lettuce. Oh, and that, that U-shaped hard taco shell we all know? That wasn't invented until Taco Bell came along in 1962. Wow. There's your Taco Bell, Chris. There it is. There All right, is. Darren, did, you have, did I cut you off? Was there anything more you wanted to add? Or is that the end I, of I, that's it. That's it, that's it. All right, Drew, your thoughts. Let's go. At Chili Queens is weird. Um, <laughs> I feel like that sounds like uh, a baseball team from a league of their own. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it does. But uh, yeah, so and so that that just seems kind of made up. And then like Taco Bell invented the hard taco. I don't know. That's that seems too 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 good to be true. Oh, I don't know what is true and what isn't anymore, but I know that if that is true, though, that was like the first fusion restaurant right there on the street. How fun. Um, so, uh, so, like, you're you're a foodie if you go to Taco Bell. Yeah, you're a, exactly, exactly. Um, Chris, please, your last thoughts on Darren's thing, and then you can make an accusation if you want. I mean, it's up to you. You've got all well, the facts now. I mean, he's talking about the birth of the food truck industry. Uh, as Drew pointed out, you know, Chili Queens at uh, – I, I hear like a, I hear a a theme song for these food trucks. It's kind of a riff on Mississippi Queen. Just call it Chili Chili Queen, you know. <laughs> uh, I, I, and then yeah, I, I'm also skeptical that Taco Bell invented the hard shell taco in 1962. Um, <laughs> interestingly, there's a tie-in between their two stories because yeah. the New York Mets set the record for the brand new New York Mets in 1962 expansion team set the record for most losses in Major League Baseball in 1962. Oh. Probably because they ate too many tacos. Oh. Yeah. Well, I like how uh, Chris may be throwing, um, throwing some facts together. out about other stories to take the fact off of the fact that he might be the bluff. <laughs> All I know is that the round tracker above my head is full, which means we have come to the part of the show where all of the actors now can tell us who they really think is bluffing, what they thought. They can ask questions, whatever they want to do. So I'm going to start in this order. So, Drew, let us go with you. Who do you think is the bluff and or do you have questions before you decide? Um, yeah, no no questions. I, I Both stories 
uh, had some some weird facts that just seemed kind of too good to be true. But I, that's the I, point know, of the show. <laughs> two rounds ago, that's true. Good point. Two rounds ago, I, I was leaning towards Darren, and, and I'm I'm still gonna stick with. I think Darren is bluffing. Oh. The uh, that the. Taco Bello hard shell taco thing at the end there really kind of sealed it for me. Oh, so that was like the nail in the coffin for you. Okay, I got you. Um, Chris, Chris, please, who do, who do you think is bluffing and or do you have questions? Oh, I have a lot of questions. Uh, <laughs> uh, specifically, who, who's your lead writer that came up with those really those jokes at the beginning of the show, Gina? That's my biggest question. Um, but but uh, I, this is a tough one, man, because I, I really have holes in both of their stories in my notes here uh you know drew throwing out you know the cliche lost the farm the joe lewis story a guy you know guys at the top of his pinnacle of his sport and then he lost everything and then he's you know he becomes the the drinking coach in you know, like a league of their own but in, in only in mexico <laughs> um and then and then you know and then darren's um talking about you know first of all he he, he mentioned I think 1962 times you mentioned the word taco, um, but he, he never he never talked about the Chihuahua. Interestingly, so uh, I <laughs> that's what was in the earlier tacos. <laughs> oh no! Oh, oh, oh. along with a tripe or, in the heart. Yeah. yeah. Uh, you know, because I know that they did the Mexico uh, the Mexican people did celebrate the Battle of. Um, 1862 at Puebla, where a vastly outnumbered Mexican army uh, beat the French and, and started this celebration of Cinco de Mayo. Uh, I'm going to say that Drew is bluffing. Oh, 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 I did not see that coming. So Chris has voted for Drew now. Um, I also would like to point out that I just realized it was 100 years from the battle to the to Taco Bell's corn tortilla. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yes, mind blown. Um, Darren, you have not had a chance to guess. So we now have one vote for Darren, one vote for Drew. Um, and so... Don't let that influence you because I just want to know what you really think. Well, to Chris's point, uh, the, the quality of the puns at the top of the show illustrates why uh, we need a writer's strike <laughs> <laughs> and, and the yeah. effects that it has. I'm offended. Oh. I am highly offended. Oh, <laughs> oh she's got and she's got. <laughs> is on the picket line <laughs> uh, but as far as who i th think's bluffing um like chris's story was all about a, a bunch of napoleons who lived in, in france and italy and then oh yeah one of them went to mexico <laughs> is that gonna like, be one of the essentially uh, by like, the way oh the show's about mexico yeah he went to mexico <laughs> I feel like that's a show we're going to get big do the writer's strike is a bunch of Napoleons <laughs> Thursday nights on NBC. Yeah. A bunch and, of and Napoleons. It's just all that guy from Napoleon Dynamite. It's just him. Interestingly <laughs> enough, your tacos were like dynamite. Oh, what? This is crazy. They were. Oh. The taquitos <gasps> were filled with gunpowder. Connections. So I think Chris is blown. Well, so we wow. literally have a three-way tie. That means wow. everybody has voted for one person. And I forgot to tell our viewers viewers and listeners at the top of the show that the only person who actually knows is our tech Adam. So I am going to actually move myself out of the feed right now um, because right. it is time for our bluff for tonight to be revealed. Adam, take it away. All right. I've got it. Let's line up our suspects. All right, ladies and gentlemen, was your bluff tonight? Was it Drew? 
Or was your bluff Chris? Or was your bluff Darren? I have the truth, the sacred truth, and I'm gonna reveal it now. The bluff this whole time has been Drew! Well done. You only had one vote against you, Drew. I think that is a fantastic <laughs> testament to the bluffing. And Drew, I would like to say that the only thing your story made me want to do is go do laundry with all those eras. Jeez. <laughs> wait, well, wait, wait. Did you just make another bad? Did you really? No, it was a good pun, Adam. Shut your face. <laughs> <laughs> tomato for you. We haven't seen the tomato in a while. That's better than a trombone. I feel very That's good. That's true. That's true. Oh, well, thank you so much. That was great, Drew. Uh, fantastic uh, stories tonight. Um, happy Cinco de Mayo to everybody in America who celebrates as they understand Mexico doesn't really celebrate this holiday. But hey, kudos if you're Mexican-American. Woohoo! Um, happy, happy day on sun uh, Saturday, Friday, Friday it is. Um, but thank right. you for coming out to History Bluffs. We're here on Twitch. We are on any place where you get your uh, podcast. We are on YouTube live stream every Wednesday at 730. Um, please like and subscribe us. Share it, tell your friends, and we've been History Bluffs. I hope you have a great night, and we'll see you soon. You heard her. We will be back next week, same time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern. Tune in. We'll see you then.